Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have TJ Jackson with us here today, who is no stranger to music. With a legendary last name, he is the son of Tito and nephew of Janet and Michael. He has an impressive music career of his own as a proven global star and multi-platinum selling artist. TJ and his brothers formed the group 3T and became an international success, surpassing even Boys to Men and Baby Space in overseas record sales and were ranked second behind the Spice Girls as the biggest selling group in Europe in 1996. Today, TJ has embarked on a triumphant solo career and has recently released his second EP entitled Damaged. In addition to his music, TJ is also passionate about the family-based inspirational brand he launched with his wife, Frances, called The Family Rules. Additionally, TJ is co-founder of a 501c3 nonprofit he began with his brothers in 2015 in memory of their late mother, Dee Dee Jackson. The Dee Dee Jackson Foundation focuses on loss and grief and how to navigate through it. The foundation brings music heals, ther- music heals therapy to children in need who have suffered trauma Another facet of the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation is a weekly digital talk show, The Power of Love, that welcomes a diverse mix of guests who share their expertise, advice, and experiences with our community. TJ, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Jesse. I'm happy to be here, bud. Absolutely, man. And I'm, first of all, let's start off with congratulations. You were telling me beforehand your new EP is coming out in nine days. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, it's my second solo uh, album. You know, I, I, I've been in with my brothers as 3T since I was in diapers, really. You know, we wow. released our first uh, record publicly when I was 16 years old. And, um, you know, a couple decades later, I, we decided to, to do our own thing. And, and I did my own solo stuff. So I released my first EP in March. And my second one is coming up in nine days. So I'm excited. It's, it's been a, a fun you know, an enjoyable experience. And, um, you know, I, I, I've come to the spot in my life where I realize how blessed I am to be able to do music for a living and to be able to share art and inspire people and, and make people happy and, and, you know, be a sound, be, hopefully be a, a soundtrack for some people. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and I'm so blessed and grateful that I get to do it for a living. TJ, as you were talking, it reminded me, one of the early guests I had on the show, he is the director of one of the local theaters here in Santa Barbara. And he was talking about how essential the arts are for healing and recovery, especially in the post-COVID world. How, do, how does the arts, how is your experience with the arts with that and, and healing and bringing communities together and helping people process through emotions and challenging times? I, I think art is huge and and to be perfectly honest with you i didn't realize that until we started our foundation Hmm. Um, i've been writing and singing and and you know making art since i can remember and you know i lost my mother right when i turned 16 she was murdered and i think the fact that we dove into music and art in our in our in our you know in our career helped us um, it helped us grieve. It helped us process things. And um, still to this day, you know, our, our main thing at the D.D. Jackson Foundation, the foundation I started with my brothers, is art, is, is, is helping kids who may, be, who may not have access to writing or, 
I shouldn't say have access to writing, but not understand the importance of, of getting things inside of them out. And, mm. you know, sometimes in different areas in, in our, in our world, we're taught to kind of hold on to that pain and, and shelter it. And, and, and that it's a sign of weakness. And we try to reverse that. We try to embrace and, and be open and, and re kind of, I won't say train, but reteach these kids that utilizing your art, you know, you don't have, so one thing we do often is we write music with these kids, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, from playing instruments to writing lyrics to, to singing. And it's super important, even if you can't sing, even if you don't think you can really write lyrics, just saying what you feel is very helpful in, in getting through what you may be going through. So art is huge, you know, and it's something I have my kids doing. So not that they've had a huge grieving moment in their life, but if they ever do, I want them to be able to have that skill that, that they can always lean back on and, and, and do something to clear their mind and, and, you know, to purify themselves or to make themselves feel better. For folks watching right now, because I think there's, there's a lot of people who are experiencing different layers of grief with everything happening with COVID this year and political unrest and all the other stuff yeah. that has been 2020. Somebody who's watching right now and they are experiencing grief in whatever capacity, whatever that way that is, and maybe they've never done any sort of formal counseling or healing or therapy or anything like that. Is there one suggestion, recommendation you might have for them that they could they could take away from our conversation today and they could put into action for themselves? I think they have to understand that a big loss, a big, whether you lose, you know, your, your, your dream home, your dream job, a, a family member, it's hard to get through. It's hard to get over. And, and, and I think oftentimes, you know, something, sometimes I hear people ask me, or I lost my, my mother five years ago. When am I going to get over it? And I think our society is, has, has kind of, or maybe we just assume there's going to be a day when we just get over it and, it and we go back to complete normality or normalcy for what, you know, what we, we had before. And that's not necessarily the case. You have to learn how to navigate through the grief and, and accept it and, and deal with it and, and grow from it. And um, I think that is going to be the main thing I would suggest to people is that, you know, I, I still... I can have a great two months where I'm happy as can be. And then boom, all of a sudden, something reminds me of the fact that I don't have my mother, whether it's, mm. you know, my son graduating elementary school or, or, or high school, or if I want to go on a date with my wife. And, you know, I know my, my mom would have been an amazing babysitter, you know, and things like that. It always creeps up on you. So I think that would be the main thing. I don't want to be, you know, discourage people or, or make them feel more depressed with what's going on. But I want to be realistic about them, about it and let them know that they will be okay. It's just to maybe change that mindset about trying to get over it and just trying to get through it and, and, and change, you know, figure out what's best for you going forward. And the other thing I would just say is to create, you know, we were just talking about art and it doesn't have to be music. It could be writing poems. It could be painting. It could be drawing. I mean, you don't have to be great at it. Just that the fact of art and creating something will help you get through whatever situation you're going through. I appreciate TJ, you mentioning the, the thought of you and your wife want to go on a date and my mom would have been a great babysitter. 
and I think that's such an important piece to acknowledge because society, as you said, I think puts a lot of these unspoken rules on, you should be over it. You have this time frame. you know, we, we have bereavement. Some of us have bereavement time at work. It might be a few days. It might be a few weeks or whatnot. And in there, there's this expectation of how we're supposed to be. And I hear all the time from people when they will have a, a thought that comes up and they start to feel grief, sadness, despair, or depression around that thought. It immediately triggers this feeling of broken or that they've done something wrong because now they're not meeting that societal expectation that they should be over it by now or they should be fine by now. And I think that's a very real part of this whole mm. journey post loss is that there are going to be times and moments in our lives where I, I remember when my dad first passed away and I was out of service and I saw his best friend drinking a, a Corona. And I thought to myself, gosh, I never ever had a beer with my dad. You know, and it's such mm -hmm. a silly, silly thing to think, but then there'll be times. And I mean, I kid you not TJ, this was, I think eight days ago, I had a Corona beer for whatever reason I had had one in months and I started to tear up because yeah. it just took me right back to that moment. You know, it just took me right back there. And I immediately thought of my dad and yeah. thought of myself at his service thinking that thought. So yeah. I, I really appreciate you acknowledging that. I, just, I think it's very important. You know, it's, it's, it's very important. It, it's the honest truth. And it's what I experienced, you know, from I remember when I first got married, you know, obviously without my mother being there. But even if one of my kids are going through a difficult moment, you know, or, or if, you know, if they're, they're in trouble and, and, you know, or I may be a little disappointed in them. There's that, that, that grandmother that my mother would have been for them that was there and to try to console them. And, you know, so it changes a lot in your life. But I think one thing that another thing that I, I think people I would love for people to take away is loss is part of life. You know, when we play, you know, video games or, or competitions or, or even the Super Bowl, there's winners and losers, you know, and I think oftentimes we put so much shine and, and a spotlight on the winners that we neglect losing and, and what it and what losing is, you know, and, and I think it's important to have a healthy understanding of not only what loss is, but what the benefits of loss can be from learning and growing and, 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 you know, and, and just figuring out how to get better at things, you know? So I think if we can, as a society, understand the importance of losing and, and that it's part, it's natural. Um, I think we will all be healthier and ha ultimately happier. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 this is all stuff that I've, I've grown into. I don't, I don't yeah. want to make it seem like it cause I didn't do therapy. I've never had a therapy session. It's just doing the show with my brothers has been the therapy. We've been very open and had great guests like yourself on and, and we've learned a lot. And um, I honestly can say, I, I think the last several years has been the most full and happiest I've been, even though maybe professionally I've achieved more at different points in my life. As a whole, I feel more wholesome and it's a, it's a beautiful feeling. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and everyone, I, I was connected with TJ. I was lucky enough to be a guest on his and his brother's show, and I highly encourage you check it out. It is just such a warm, loving environment, and they've created an incredible community on there who 
I, uh, I received, I was telling TJ before, and I received some of the most thoughtful and considerate questions and comments from people that I've ever received from being a guest on any show. And you can tell they just really have built a loving, very soulful, soul-based community there. Mm. And I, I would encourage you all to check it out. We'll make sure we put links in there. I'm so, so proud of that too, Jesse. And thank you for mentioning it. But that was, that was our goal when we started the foundation five years ago. That was our goal is to build a community. You know, life, loss is very isolating. You feel like it's only happening to you. All of a sudden, it, you know, the world shrinks on you. At least it feels that way. Yeah. And that was, that was the hardest thing for me when I, when I dealt with several losses in my life is I felt like I was alone. So, you know, my brothers and I really wanted to build a community, a place where people can help each other and, and realize that you're not alone in your loss. And, you know, we're, we're blessed to have a great board um, for our foundation and, and we're, we're, we're excited with where things are going because we're helping a lot of people and it's great. You mentioned about the lessons of loss, TJ. What has loss taught you about living? That, well, it depends what kind of loss. Uh, you know, I, I used to be the most competitive kid you, you probably ever knew, Jesse. I did not like losing, uh, especially when it came to sports. I'm the youngest of the three, you know, three boys. And uh, I don't know, I just did not like to lose, but now, and even when I was coaching, you know, a decade or two ago, I, I did not like to lose. But now when I coach, it's like if there's a close, close game in the fourth quarter, I literally am, I don't care either way, the way it goes. I really, when I'm coaching youth and I, and I really, obviously everyone wants to win, but I honestly welcome the experience of helping these kids deal with loss, if that makes sense. Mm. So we lose a tough 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 game i try to help them get through on how to deal with loss um, and that's something that i take pride in so when it comes to that that's what i would say is loss is part of life you, you learn more i believe when you lose um, as far as losing a person um, i've learned that that you gotta have to you have to understand that you know, we, we don't live on forever and we have to cherish the moments when we do have them and we have to keep positive memories and there's no right or wrong way. Bless you. There's no right or wrong way to, uh, to deal with it, you know, and, and I, that's another thing. I don't want people to think, oh, I didn't cry enough today. So obviously I don't, I'm, I don't have the heart I should have, or I cried too much today. I'm, I'm a soft wuss. I don't want people to think that way. You know, and, and I think you have to really understand and welcome that everybody reacts differently. And you may cry for a month straight and then not cry for a month straight. So don't be hard on yourself and, and just understand it's, it's just part of evolving and, and part of life. There's no right or wrong way to deal with loss and, and grief. When you're talking about welcoming with as a coach, it reminded me, I think John Wooden said it about how he would look at his he said something effective. If, if those young men left the court and they did their absolute best, it didn't matter what the scoreboard was. I could be proud of them. Yes. And, right. So true. So true. And, and that's the lesson I, cause I've coached many kids um, teams. Uh, I, I've over 20, you know, it's, it's <laughs> one of my biggest hobbies is coaching kids and just helping them, you know, get through this thing called life. 
And that's one thing you have to always, for, for any coaches out there, really focus on effort. Don't worry about wins or losses. The, most of the kids aren't going to remember their records anyway. They won't. I, I don't remember my childhood records if we won or lost. Maybe a championship, yes. But for the most part, I don't remember. But I do remember always giving my best. And I remember taking pride in that. And if you as a coach or someone of influence can, can help your kids, your students, really respect the, what it is to, to give their best, then you're doing, you're doing your job. TJ, you had mentioned in, earlier on that you were about 16 when your mom was taken. Yeah. It was also at 16 when you released, you and your brothers released your first album. And you were talking about how doing art, doing music was a way to kind of help you process through grief. I'm curious at 16, were you aware that you were processing through grief then? Or is it, is it more of like a hindsight observation you have now? And when you're going through that first loss, because I think a lot of people too, whether it's their first loss they've experienced or it's the third or whatever it is, I think that sometimes we're not able to even identify what it is we're feeling. Mm. So I'm curious, like, what was it that you were actually going through? Like, what were you feeling at that time? Was it anger? Was it upset? Was it, were you aware that you were processing through grief? I wasn't aware, Jesse. I, I did not know. And that's something that I, I don't know if it was the combination of my father my uncle and my grandmother, but I, I commend them for, for kind of getting us out there and, and doing art and creating. And I don't mm -hmm. want to say taking our mind away, but in a way taking our mind away, you know, because I just think um, sometimes I think you got to give your, your, your time to, to grieve, to loss, to, to process it, but you can't wallow in it for forever, you know? And, and I think, my family did a good job of, of trying to help us with that balance without it being forced, without it being pushed. We had been wanting to release an album for probably six years up to that moment, you know, and our, our mother was our manager at the time. So she was, wow. you know, she knew most of the songs, just maybe the last couple she had never heard of the album. And, you know, I'll never forget my uncle Michael said, you got to turn, turn this pain and, and put it in your music, you know, put it into yeah. your career and, and make a difference, make her proud. And that's something that stuck with us. And, and again, I didn't know at the time, you know, I, I probably was just going through one ear and not the other. For me, I was just happy to, to have a chance to have a song on the radio, you know, and, and to perform for people around the world. And, um, but I think he understood the importance of us coming out as soon as we did. Um, you know, because he, I think many people know this, but he was the one who kind of held us back in a sense when we are, before we came out, mm. if it, if it wasn't for him, we'd probably have our first album out when we were 12, 13, 14, something for me, but he was so big on making sure you experience your childhood and enjoy it. That I honestly think if my mother didn't pass, I probably wouldn't have released the album until we were 17, 18. Really? With my mother passing, I have a, an opinion that, we got the the green light and, and the push to do it then and um, looking back again I didn't know this at the time but looking back that's that I would guess that and huh. um, again I think it's just pushing art pushing creativity pushing whatever is going to make your heart happy that's fascinating do you feel like he was recognizing that 
how important it was for you to be a kid because he didn't have that as much when he was 100 percent, 100 percent. we we were supposed to sign to motown at one point i want to say warner at another point this is all from when i was 12 to you know i think 12 to 14 15 and wow. we signed with sony at 15 but that was the label my uncle was on so I still, you know, we took several, a long time to make our, our, our music, our first album. And I think, I honestly feel it would have been longer if, if my mother was here, because I think, I don't think the urgency would have been there from his side. And we were actually put on his label at one point um, in the process. So he had a bit more of control of that, if that makes sense. That does. And TJ, this, this is giving me kind of a random question now. I feel like in the world we live in, and social media has magnified this exponentially. Kids seem like they're in such a hurry to grow up. It's like there's this expectation that I have to have this perfect life and everything and be this and be this person and have all these likes, have all these followers, have this success or whatever it is. And we're, it's like um, we compare ourselves in ways we never have before. And having had, I think you have such a unique perspective of this, of having been in that place and now hearing this story about having your uncle really kind of maybe hold you back because your childhood is so important. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could speak to just children, you know, parents who have kids right now who are listening to this, or maybe there's some kids who are listening to this because their parents are encouraging to. How important is for them to just, you know, for them to be a kid, to be present? How important for is it for them to soak it up? You know, should they be spending all this time obsessing over social media, comparing themselves to others? You know, maybe you could speak directly to them. Yeah, you know, um, Jesse, my wife and I, we're big on that because big on on making sure they're they're being kids. Hmm. Um, Before the pandemic, none of our kids had an iPhone or even iPad. Um, I should say none of kids. I'm sorry, none of the younger kids. Um, so and they were 12 and nine, yet wow. all their classmates had at least a device. You know, even the the nine year old, most of the the classmates had phones, and we just had a rule that you don't get a phone till 14, and we're sticking to that rule for a phone. But for iPads, we we kind of gave in because of the pandemic, so that they could see their their friends and things like that. But another thing I I want to take it in. Um, also say is is schooling i think sometimes our the school system does kids a disservice and i i hate being harsh on school systems but i feel they should be playing more and not so so you know i i i i don't know if it was an article i read or or somewhere i saw that finland and america i think it was finland were were tied around the high 20s in in rankings for education in the world and I believe it was some Scandinavian country, but I'm going to go with Finland. They took out homework. They took out the standardized testing and a, and a lot of the, the grading regimen to, to, to relieve the kids and give them more free time to just be kids so that they can climb trees. They can make tree houses. They can, they can you know, make, do puzzles. They could do whatever they want once they got home from school. And actually the test scores and their achievements actually increased. Hmm. And I think there's, that's a lot that, that says a lot that sometimes we get in the way of, of, of growth. And um, so we're big on that. We, we, we homeschool now and we try to limit how much school they do so that they can be out and, and, and just be kids and color when they want and, and draw when they want. 
we try to make sure they they dictate how they they go forward if that makes sense it, it makes total sense man and i i think that's so incredible i often in my more private rants will will go on about how i feel like there's there's and i guess also private rants and public proclamations i really think that so many of the world's problems are less than a generation away because if we if we start to educate how to love how to communicate how to have difficult conversations how to you know how to navigate through loss how to navigate through relationship struggles how to do our taxes yeah. You know, so much of the stress, anxiety, problems that we face later on in life, it's not to say those problems don't arise, but we'd have tools to deal with them. And I think that I, I was sharing with you, I think, beforehand that I started one of the other series I started during this whole COVID time is called Building a Bridge. And a friend of mine, we started with this conversational series after everything happened to George Floyd and really just kind of on a mission to tackle some of the deep, uncomfortable issues that it's it's kind of the murky water that sometimes we don't want to go into. Mm. And what's been really, really fascinating that TJ is it keeps coming back to this, this, this piece of like on one side, there's love on one side, there's fear. And then you start to see almost everything branch off from there. It just gets magnified through life. Right. But there's like a choice that's made. This choice is made. I love this choice is made out of fear. Mm. And then this choice is made, just choices made, just choices made. It's like, the more we learn how to make choices from fear, the less we learn how to make choices from love and vice versa. Mm. And I just, I, I, I keep coming back to this more that if we were to, if we were to enable to, and it's funny to say that because it sounds so oversimplified, but if you actually step outside of ourselves and float above and look at that 10,000 foot perspective, you start to see how there's an origin in fear and origin in love and some of the choices we make or we don't make in life. Wow. And so if we could teach kids Right. In addition to all those other things, how to just be present to love, how to navigate through fear, how transformative that would be for how we all grow in. And, uh, you know, my kind of mission is to help people create their own camel, create their Camelot in life. And I feel like that would be, you know, that's kind of the secret sauce to it. So love it. I love all that. And I think sometimes the mistake we all make is we put a lot of pressure on on material things and and we dictate what someone else's success is supposed to be and i think that creates a lot of fear instead of instead of just you know reminding kids and people to be happy what's going to make you happy what's going to you know i i don't want any of my kids to ever you know spend all their their time and energy trying to to earn enough money to to buy the, the most expensive mercedes meanwhile they're miserable and, and pains inside yeah. i'd rather them you know like for instance i'm a huge honda accord fan you know no matter how much money i have i'm going to always try to own and drive a honda accord um and it's just for me it's just a constant reminder that this the job of this vehicle is to get me from a to b nothing else everything else is is kind of you know so i i, I try to simplify things and i try to do that in all aspects of my life because i want to to be in tune with the importance of of simplicity and the, the what and and the importance of of leaning in on happiness and and mm. focusing on happiness and i don't think that should be tied to materialism man i love that so much and i, I want to ask how do you engage in those conversations with your kids around 
the happiness and materialism because again i they're of that generation where I, I remember reading a book one time and it was saying the average 10 year old is exposed and this is really at the beginning of social media so nothing like it is now the average 10 year old was exposed to thirty thousand advertisements a year that are targeting them you know and it, whether it was like the the jc penny and sears catalog as kids to now it's like you know commercials on tv and so I imagine kids are seeing more and more. And, and ultimately, the message of that is, is if you buy this, then you'll be happy. If you buy this, then you'll be popular. You'll be accepted. You'll belong. How do you, how do you parent your children around that when you're really having those conversations around happiness? Because I love that. The, I'm a Honda Accord guy. How do you yeah. have those kind of Honda Accord conversations with your kids? I, I, um, it's funny because we actually, uh, we did a show with Lifetime five years ago. And, and I had that talk with my son on it. Really? Um, so it brought me back to it brought me back to that moment, but I I just think y you have to also value time together, mm. you know, and and I I try to spend a lot of time with my kids, and I try to make sure we do things that are simple, um, go to the beach, go on a drive, um, make sure they come with me to to you know, pick up some groceries or, or to, to go to the bookstore, even if we're just going to look through books. I try to, to put the value in those moments instead of, instead of things. Mm. So I think that's the best thing you could do as, as a parent or as, as, you know, someone of influence, if you're influencing your nephew, niece or, or student is to really just spend the time and just connect human to human. And I think that gets lost because of, like you said, all those advertisement, we, you know, we get shown phones and gadgets and, and, you know, everything. So there's always something that it's as if our happiness is hinging on something when it should just be hinging on human connection and mm. just being happy. And that's what I, I try to focus on as a parent. Good. Love that. TJ, talk to us about the DD Jackson foundation. Tell us about it, what it is, what do you all do? Yeah, it's it's the foundation my brothers and I started um, in memory and and in honor of my late mother, Didi uh, Jackson. And we do several things. We do the weekly Power of Love show, which is every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. We stream live on Facebook and YouTube, and it's also a podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, you can listen on on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And then we also do music heal therapy classes. And we um, got together with uh, the director of music at California State University of Northridge and created a, a program where we can help kids who are dealing with loss. And we've kind of tailored it for those kind of kids. And, and we go around and, and do these cl classes. You know, we've done them in other states, but primarily it's in Southern California with um, a variety of kids who need that help and who need that, um, you know, to, to reclaim their lives. So that's the primary things we do. We have other plans and goals um, for the coming years, but for right now, those are the main two things. We actually, and we also do Dinner for a Cause, which is an annual event where we spotlight a widow, um, or I should say also a male who may have lost uh, their partner and, and has kids. So we try to be there for them and show some type of community and, and donate money to them and while they're dealing with their new life. 
And then we also do things in the holidays for kids that can't celebrate Christmas because their their families can't afford anything we do. So we do a lot of different things, but the main thing is the the weekly show and the Music Hills classes. Man, that's so awesome. I, uh, absolutely awesome. The can, can I say one more thing? Too, yeah, Jesse? please. I, I, I just want to say for anyone out there um, who, and I'm not, this isn't a plea for donation, um, but I want to make sure people know that you don't have to donate to make a difference in the help, you know, just find something that, that can move you, whether it's uh, a community, um, um, just find something where you can give. It doesn't have to be money. It could just be time. It, it will make your life better. And I, I think that's something that, you know, I've always understood, but I'm really understanding since we've done this foundation so I just want to encourage people to also, if you're, if you feel you're stable in life or at a point where you could do something, find something, find a foundation, find an organization that you can, you can believe in and align with and, and do something with them, volunteer for something. It's so fulfilling. And, and to me, that's another way to, to really add value to your life and your family's life. Yeah. The magic of giving you, you were mentioning music heals therapy with kids what kind of age group are are the kids you're primarily focusing on is it younger kids high school kids it's both it's both it's generally there's two different classes so generally it's 7 to 12 11 12 and there's usually 12 to 13 is 16 17 so um there's sometimes there's three classes but we just break it up if 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 there's a lot of kids at the program wherever we're at we do a lot of stuff with boys and girls clubs um it all depends. It all depends. But usually there's a younger class and then like a middle, uh, I call it middle class, even though it's not middle school, it's a little older. And so people want to get involved. There's a streaming show every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. There's, they could head over to the website. They could do financial donation, volunteer opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even just sharing. If there's a show um that you like share it on your page um and that's just for us but that's for anything any foundation or organization that is doing something i i i just think that we need more of that in our world you know social social media is so based on influencers and and you know people's careers that I'm, i'm pushing for those that are you know trying to help the world to get more love and um i just think it's it's super important. TJ, before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you? So you can, the best way for me is just at www.tjjackson.com. That will take you everywhere if you, you know, to all my social media, to what I'm doing musically. And then for the foundation, it's just www.ddjf.org. Um, and again, it's a foundation that my brothers and I started, but we have a nice board and no one is paid. So it's all volunteers. So if you do want to donate, all of it goes to these programs and, um, yeah, just live your best life and, and keep it simple and, and, and smile and, and give back. It doesn't have to be money. It could just be with time and, and a simple share, um, does wonders. I, I said I'm going to ask my final question. I'm asked two because there was another one that just popped up into my head, and I'll let you choose which order you, you answer them in. 
before we started recording, I asked you what was on your heart to share today. And I'm going to ask, I'm asking that same question again to one, see if there's, it's, it's evolved at all through this conversation, if it's inspired anything. And two, I think what you had mentioned earlier was talking about being on the go so much and not slowing down. And I, a lot of folks that I've talked to, they felt that way too. And I think especially this year, there's the, the down moments feel more tense and more anxious. And so we busy ourselves with being busy to try to stay focused on doing something. So maybe you can speak to both of those and then we'll, we'll wrap up from there and you can choose whichever order you want. Okay, I'll try. Um, the, I think the, the, for the second one, this has been a tough year. You know, with the pandemic, it's, it's been tough. I haven't lost the job. I do music. Um, so I haven't, I've lost some performances. We were supposed to go out and do some shows on the road. But, you know, I feel for everyone who has lost a job or whose life has really been changed. And um, I would just encourage you to stay strong, um, to, to understand that things will get better because there's many fans out there that, for myself that, are, that aren't doing so well that have lost their job or maybe even in the hospital. And I just want to try to give some hope and inspiration to them um, to, to, to stay strong and, 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 and do the best they can. Um, as far as what's on my heart and mind, um, I would just say with, with everything, I would say to just hold on to your family, mm. hold on to your, your kids, give them hugs, give them loves. Life is so precious. Um, I didn't know the last time I saw my mother would, would be the last time I saw her. So I would just remind people to really, you know, invest in your kids with time. It doesn't have to be money. I, I think we're so wrapped up in, in, in putting money into their college, you know, savings accounts when sometimes we should be more wrapped up in spending time with them when they're kids. Um, so I would just, I would say that just spend time with, if you're a parent out there, really put your time into your kids and, and put the phone away when you're doing so and, and um, focus on, on the human connection. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch and re-listen this one? <laughs> TJ just Thank took you, us Jesse. On, oh man. I, T, yeah, dude, TJ took us on such an incredible journey of life and loss and living and love. We started off talking about his new EP that's coming out here in nine days. So we want to make sure we check it out, support it and how he's been. And it sounds like a very creative time with music an album coming that was released in March and a second one coming yeah. out now, which is incredible to see. And that led into a conversation about how music can be so healing in the arts and leaning into the arts, whether it's drawing and creating or, and I, I love, he gave permission for those of us like myself who can't draw at all. I, you know, I'm still struggling <laughs> with stick figures to just still lean into creating, lean into art, lean into doing something because it can be such a healing modality and such a therapeutic device. He shared loss and talked about loss. And I think he acknowledged something so important that even though we may have lost someone months or years ago, we can still have those moments come up that just kind of really you know, make us stop and pause. And he shared the moment of having the thought about his mom and what a great babysitter she'd be for his children when him and his wife want to go on a date. And I, 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 I'm so grateful he shared that because it gives us all permission to acknowledge that this whole game of life after loss is not about moving on. It's not about getting over it. It's about moving forward and being the best version of yourself you can be and also recognizing that 
those people who you lost are always going to be a part of life. And thus, when you're living life, you're going to inevitably experience emotions that are going to maybe be sad or a little painful in the moment because, you know, you love them and you just wish they were there in those moments, especially when you need a babysitter on a Friday night. <laughs> we talked about just what it means to be, I think he shared something about being a parent and I loved, we're going to call it the, the Honda Accord approach to happiness and talking about really stripping away the idea of material things. I know so many of us are in that constant wrestling match with ourselves and society about what it means to be a, happy and what it means to be successful and we need to go on social media and post and tout about our accolades and you know our cars we drive where we travel to and we filter things out three times to try to make ourselves look a little bit more presentable but really it's about life and happiness and the honda accord approach to happiness is not about things it's about moments and memories i love that he said for parents to just you know make it a point to just be more present not spending so much time putting money away for college but putting moments away to live and experience with your children he talked about as a kid being so competitive and now looking back in hindsight and being a big kid, big kid with us here today, you can't remember the scores on some of those games or whatnot. He remembers doing his best, you know, remember doing your mm -hmm. best. And we do, we put such an emphasis on winning and we don't put enough on learning from loss. Be a happy person. You know, yes. look at, life's too yes. short. Just be happy. I, I want to say too, what yeah. a, what a um, summary. That was impressive, Jesse. And, and you, you, you made me sound a little smarter and better than I am, I think, but um, I think all that is very true and, and will help you live the best life you can. I appreciate that TJ. And I, I'll tell you, man, I did not even begin to do justice of what you shared today. There was a couple times where I felt so deeply what you said that I had to take a breath because I started to tear up because there's such truth in it. So I appreciate mm -hmm. the accolades on the summary and it's, it's a small act of really trying to reinforce to people just how significant so much of what you shared is today and how much I think wisdom, hope, love, and the human experience was shared with today. And I think this is what this series is all about. And this is how ultimately how I really believe we, we find hope, we heal, we grow together and we get to that, going back to that love and fear, love and fear. I feel like everything you shared today was a choice of love and a step away from fear, man. And so I, I deeply appreciate you being here and thank you so very much for sharing so generously with us today. Thank you for having me, Jesse. Thank you. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to